Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcast apps, Spotify, and now on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on your podcast apps, and subscribe and hit the notifications button on YouTube. We got a great episode planned for you guys today. I got a very special guy, Chris Hardart, the president of the NYCHSFL. That is the Catholic High School Football League here in New York City. It's a great league. He's putting it up against any league in the state, thinks it's the best one. We talk about so many great things from the history of the league and what his role has been as former head coach in the league at Christ the King, then to an athletic director, now the president of the league for over 15 years. Talked about not just that league, but how football and high school football has grown so much over the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. The technology, the recruiting, how the kids are handling all their resources and what coaches are able to do in today's modern day of football and high school sports and social media and et cetera. It was a really fun conversation. If you are into the New York City high school football landscape, you'll love this episode as there is some talk about some specific schools and teams and whatnot. But if you're not even remotely interested or related to the Catholic High School League here in New York City, there's so many interesting topics that we touch on anyway, like I mentioned with recruiting and that process technology, how it's changed. It was really a fun one. So Chris Hardart, president of the New York City Catholic High School Football League, the NYCH SFL, coming up in a moment. But also, I have to just tell you, in case you didn't see my tweet from last night or uh, yesterday, now it's on, this is Thursday now. So on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. I was tired, it was late, and I was frustrated. So I had an episode for you guys that I really enjoyed doing that I worked on on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. I was excited about it. thought it went pretty well, and I had some audio issues. So I apologize that there was no episode up until this point this week. I had this great thing going on where I was talking about the NBA and how it's in great hands, and there's all these great young stars, and they have this opportunity now with baseball being so frustrating for them to take over American sports right now. I went through this whole thing. I talked about the lockout. I talked about baseball. I talked about Luka Doncic and John Morant the big three MVP candidates and Giannis and Bede and Jokic and how much fun some of these young players and the next generation of superstars in the NBA can really be. And man, I was so frustrated. The audio was so garbage when I went to listen back on it. I couldn't even put y'all through it. I couldn't even put it out there to hurt your guys' ears. It was really rough and I was upset about it, but it happens. And that's why I have to make sure I check my microphone settings Moving forward, no matter what, so I don't have that problem again. It was a, it was a sad moment. 1.30 in the morning, finished this episode. I'm like, all right, nice solo podcast. Had some fun, talked some hoops, talked some baseball. And then I listened back for a second. I'm like, oh, no, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to sound. So, again, sorry about that. I'll touch on some of it more next week. More NBA talk coming next week for sure. And, uh, you know, around the corner. Football free agency draft, it's 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 there. It's soon, but it's hoop season. I'm loving the NBA right now. But first, we talk some football with our guy, Chris Hardart. But also first, a word from our friends from DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking like the opposite of Russell Westbrook shooting a three in a close game in the fourth quarter. The opposite of that is good, right? Because you don't want him shooting that ball. We know this by this point. So the opposite of that is really good. That's what this bet is like. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and now on YouTube. So don't forget to hit up YouTube page, Subway Sports Talk. Subscribe, notifications, the whole nine. Let's get to our guest today, Chris Hardart, the president of the CHSFL. And if you're not familiar with what that league is, you will get to know it over the next 30 minutes or so as we talk through New York City's Catholic High School Football League. This is the president. He's been with the league for over 30 years now as a coach and athletic director, and now in about his 15th year as president of the league. Chris, welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Thanks for t- spending some time. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Yeah, it, it was really great that we connected after we did the, the episode with head coach of Monsignor Farrell High School, Rocco Del Puri. We connected, talked about the possibilities of this league and how there are so many people in the New York City area who are interested in this league, whether they played in it, they went to some of those schools, now they live in those schools, and maybe their kids are looking to see where they want to go, maybe play football, or maybe we have some young young men listening to this show as well. So a lot has changed over the years. You spent some time at Christ the King. Now you're at Holy Trinity. So Chris, I like to start off by letting our audience get to know you a little bit. So you were a player, Christ the King up in Queens. There's a great athletic school, great school in general. Then you coached there, 89 to 99, two years as JV, eight as the head coach of the varsity. So I just want to start by this. As a player, you're you're playing back in the 80s. Did you see yourself taking this line of work and going into the world of coaching and working with schools and helping grow programs and, and student athletes? Yeah, I'll take it further back, Pete. I'll take it back to um, CYO basketball when I was in you know third and fourth grade, starting out, and and the uh, the love I had of of being with my friends and playing. You know, we would shovel basketball courts when it was snowing out. You know stuff like that. And then, um, you know, watching these, these, you know, we had some young guys that used to coach us that were, you know, probably in their early twenties. And, uh, we'd look, I, I would look up to those guys and, um, 
you know, and then really it goes all the way back to then. It really does. And then, and I always knew that I wanted to work with kids and, um, and be involved in, in school and being involved in athletics, um, from day one, really. And, uh, you know, I probably was a, a heck of a better student coach than I was a player, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something I dreamed about. And, um, you know, when I got the job at, at Christ the King as a, as a social studies teacher and, and, um, you know, right away the JV football job opened up and I jumped in and I probably, I, in fact, I, I definitely wasn't ready, you know, and, um, but it was like baptism by fire, you know, and, um, it was a great two years as a, as a JV, JV head coach. And then the varsity job opened up. And when I got the varsity job, I was the, uh, I was the youngest head coach in the, in the, in the history of New York, you said? Oh, Chris. I don't know if somebody since then, but I remember uh, Bill Travers back in the Daily News days writing an article about it. And, um, you know, that I was uh, at the time the youngest head coach in the history of the history of New York. And it was pretty cool. And um, I really didn't know what I was doing when I first thought I could tell you that. And uh, it was a um, I had some great staff, I had some great guys, a couple guys that played with me and and uh, went to school with me at, at Christ the King. And and uh, we we. You know, we had a lot of work to do, and and we built the program, and and I'm super super proud of of the years I spent there um, building that program. And you know, my last year there, or my last two years, we were in the AAA playoffs, and it was the only time in the history of the school um, that we won a AAA playoff game, and I was at Monsignor Farrell, hey. um, and, uh, in 1996, and uh, it was really like a you know, it was a great moment for our for our program and for our school and. And uh, you know, I was really, really proud of proud of it. And still, I'm and to this day, and those guys that those guys that played for me hold a very special place in my uh, in my heart. You know, because those guys, uh, we we really saw something through there that that not a lot of people thought we could do. You know, and um, and it, that, that's that's how I started with the league. You know, that's how I got involved with the league. You know, during during those the '90s, all those years during the '90s when I was coaching and going to Monday night meetings with all the coaches, and and um, that was when I I think that's where the uh, the love of the league and and um, and respect of all these people that you know the, all the diff, all the older coaches in the league and you know I kind of revered those guys you know they were they, they were uh, it was a special group of guys you know and and it and it's continuing to this day so it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a great ride great ride and I must say you said you didn't feel like you were prepared those first years as a JV coach you must have been doing something right getting bumped up to varsity after just two years so I, it sounds like the coaching part of things kind of fell into place pretty well for you there. And to anyone at home uh, or on the road in the car, maybe listening to this podcast here or watching on YouTube, if you heard AAA playoffs, you're not really sure what that means. If you're not familiar with the New York City Catholic High School Football League, basically there's three divisions. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, there's obviously your expertise. The AAA being the highest, the AA, and then single A. uh, And all competitive, but the AAA is the cream of the crop. And there is sort of... I don't know if relegation system is the right word, but if you think about maybe some of the European soccer leagues, you think about um, some some other, uh, maybe some minor league sports do this, where the the higher you are in the standings the year prior is where you're more likely to, to end up in the playoffs and then moving forward where you're more likely to be the following year, right? So you could be AAA for two years, but then if the program starts to go down a little bit, you may find yourself back down a AA clawing up to give a little insight. Is that is that a fair... We'll get we'll get more into that later. Yep. Uh, but that's a fair yep. little assessment there. Yes. Yep. No okay. Doubt. 
So congratulations, by the way, even now a little close to home for me, knocking down Monsignor Farrell. <laughs> I know you're sitting with coach Garofolo, coach rock reminiscing on those yeah, days. Yeah, and coach yeah. Graf, uh, yeah. You remember that game very specifically. Oh yeah. And, uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, we were talking about it. Was that like a nine to seven win or something like that? No, that- no, it was, it was, it was nine to seven in the third quarter. And um, we, they would say Monsignor Farrell was driving and they were about, I think it was about the, I don't know, the 10 yard line and going into to score um, to, to take the lead. We were up by three, I think. And um, they fumbled and our guy picked up a fumble and, and ran it back 97 yards for a touchdown um, to give us, to give us a bigger lead. And then, and then it all went down. I think the final score was 34 to seven or something like that. But, um wow. us and uh it was it was really a it was it was a great moment for our for our school you know we at that point we had we had never ventured into uh that territory you know the triple a territory and monsignor farrell being a great program that they you know they are and they always have been you know um you know it was a it was a benchmark game for us you know it really was and and it was like a you know i gotta be honest going into the monday night meeting that week with my chest you know, pounding my chest because, you know, we just did something that no one thought we can do. And, and, um, you know, and, and to beat a program like them, you know, was, was, was really, really special for us. You know, it really was. And, uh, you know, and basically built out a respect for them, you know, Uh, it's respect for their program and respect for what they, their tradition. And we didn't have that at that time. So to go and beat somebody like that was a big deal for us, you know? And if you think about it, you might've sparked, some a run for Monsignor Farrell. You knocked them down late in the late nineties. Then they lost the championship 98 and then won it back to back in 99 and 2000. Correct. Before, before yep. St. Anthony's went on their little dynastic run of their yeah. own, yep. which yep. We, can, we can get into that too. Yeah. Uh, the, the one score that blows my mind and maybe it was just Farrell playing this style. But if you think about style of football and what was going on when you were coaching in the nineties, Farrell won a championship against St. Anthony's in 99, six, nothing. You know, that's not a score that we would expect to see in this league today. So that yep. makes me want to think about, you know, this league as a whole. And obviously the game of football has changed so much over the years, but you've seen it in this level uh, so specifically as a coach, as an athletic director, and as a president of the league. You know, when did when do you feel like uh, the CHSFL kind of turned into this new style of offense? Did it happen kind of in lockstep with college and the pros? Or was the high school football lagging behind? You know, wh- when did you see the evolution of the CHSFL? You know, as opposed to possibly the higher levels of football. No, I think I think what you said about the colleges is is, is spot on because, you know, my first my first couple of years in the league, you know, the first thing I did was go to go to clinics, go to go visit college coaches, you know, um, go find out what was going on at the college level, go you know find out what what, and I think that's what every coach in our league um, who takes their job serious, every coach in our league who's a quality, quality coaches in our league, that's what they do. You know, they, they go and, and they still do it today. You know, they're, they're, they're studying what everybody's doing and, and at the highest level of football. And, and I think that's what, that's how the whole game evolves, you know, and there's no doubt. I mean, that, that was how, you know, not only about building relationships, relationships with college coaches, you know, for you, for your own kids, but it's about learning. It's about learning the game, you know, and all of our guys, I know, you know, everybody in our league, you know, is, you know, you coach in our league, you, it's a clinic every week, you know, and, and that's, that's what I think. So I think you're right. 
I think we, we kind of go with the flow of whatever happens, at, you know, above us, you know. Uh, that's why you see the evolution of all the spread offenses and the RPOs and, the, you know, and, and everything you see now, you know. Um, and that's, that's what's going on in college. So that's, that's why you see it where it is now, you know. And you'll still see a couple schools, you know, the Xavier's of the world and, and um, you know, who, who are running offenses that work for them, you know, and running style offenses. And, and because the same way, like, you know, you look at Army and Navy and what they do at the Division one level, you know, running the, you know, running the, uh, the option stuff and, and, and the spread option type stuff. And some of our schools do the same stuff and, and that's where they get it from. They get it from the highest levels, you know? And so it's about our coaches. It's about the quality of the quality of men that, that are in our league, you know, and, and how much they study and how much they do. And it also, you know, comes down to personnel and you've seen teams probably adapt so much over the years and coaches adapt so much. And that's the thing about college and high school sports in general is you can't have the same plan every single year because you might have a quarterback who can sling it for two years and then he graduates and your next guy's an athlete who can't really throw it to those tight windows, right? So you have to revamp the whole system. You have to redraw up the whole playbook and, and attack it from a whole new angle. Um, and, and that's that's impressive in and of itself. And I know people always talk when they talk about like, oh, Nick Saban's of the world. Should they go back to the NFL? Do they have to prove it at that level? There's so much debate of like what's more impressive is winning with new players every year or is maybe getting the cream of the crop recruits really what puts them over. But then you think about in the high school levels, you know, in the public school system, perhaps it's a little bit more straightforward, a little bit. Obviously, there's still a way for people to go to certain schools in the public ranks. They don't have to go to the school in their backyard. But most of the time, that's kind of where you end up in this level in the Catholic high school league. There's schools that are relatively close who you can make a reasonable commute to one school here and one school there, depending on where you live. And that creates competitiveness that is obviously bringing in this league up. So over the years, you've seen all different sorts of schools make their runs. I mentioned St. Anthony's. Iona had it's gone on a run possibly right now. Talked mm-hmm. about Cardinal Hayes before we started recording. What, what, is, what has it been like from your seat now as the president of the league watching, you want to bring the word parity into play, watching these programs kind of build themselves, sometimes from the ground up with a new coaching staff, uh, with new world of recruiting, and as this technology has uh, increased as well? Well, it, the fact of the matter in, in the Catholic schools, Pete, is that our schools are businesses. You know, um, we rely on students and tuition um, for our schools to stay open, right? So it's a little, it's way different than what happens in the public school uh, environment, and and that's why you know sometimes in the in the public, you know, in the public in the you know social in the media, not even social media, but the regular media, you know, and and I've got I've fielded phone calls for years about. You know, people don't know where our teams are. How come How come these guys were AAA last year and now they're only AA? And, you know, you don't let guys, you know, you, you don't let things stay for more than a couple of years. And um, why don't you set up your structure and leave it alone for five years and see where teams go? And, and, and it, we just can't do that. And the reason why we can't do that is because, you know, we, it's, it's about being successful and making our teams, letting our teams, giving our teams the best, the best possibility to be successful and we have it's it's very difficult it's hard because we have schools of big enrollments small enrollments we have schools with big enrollments that don't have great facilities or don't have football traditions then we have smaller schools that have really good athletes and you know great facilities and we have really high academic schools we have 
you know, middle of the road schools. We have, we have everything. We're not a cookie cutter league. You know, we have all different shapes and sizes of look at Staten Island, for example. When I first started in the league, Monsignor Farrell was the only, only high school Catholic high school um, right. team in our league. And, you know, within five or six years, St. Peter's, St. Joe's and more Catholic all came along and, and started football. And now the competition for those for, for kids on Staten Island is fierce because of that. And and you know, and Monsignor Farrell, who was like you mentioned before, was a power, you know, in the in the eighties and then into the nineties. And and then, you know, everybody thinks, hey, you know, Farrell, oh, they haven't won in a long time. Well, they've been playing at the highest level, okay, because they've been the one school on Staten Island that's been able to um, sustain that program, you know, at a high level. And and, you know, but the other guys, you know, and St. Joe's, St. Joe's has had great seasons. St. Peter's has had great seasons. Moore's had great seasons. But for them, it's a little bit harder to sustain um, because of the, you know, Monsignor Farrell being there as the traditional power. And, right. and, you know, they're fighting to try to be like Farrell. You know, when I was at Christ the King, I had St. Francis Prep, who was, who was before St. Anthony's went on a 14-year run. You know, St. Francis Prep, to this day, still has the most championships in the history of the league. And so when I started at Christ the King, it was like they were the team that I had to go try to chase down, you know? And so that's what happens in our league. And it's so competitive. And, you know, you can't just – and it's not about it's not about trying to put somebody – this is what I tell all the coaches in the league and all the athletic directors. We're not putting you – I don't want to know where your program should be so you can win a championship. I want to know where your program can be, where you can compete to win a championship, you know, and that's, and that's very difficult sometimes to navigate, you know, because you do have people that are trying to figure out a way to put a banner on the wall, you know, and get a trophy at the end of the season. Right. And I try to, you know, and our executive committee is a, a great group of guys that have been around the league for a long time. And we have to kind of, you know, we have to kind of figure that out sometimes. And it's not, it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard, you know, and then, and then what happens is you have a team that gets kind of misplaced every once in a while and and that's where we that's where the media and and some of the say parents and some guys from public schools and stuff like that they'll take shots at us that oh you guys know who you're playing this year you're not playing anybody and you know you had a great run and you know whatever and you know but you didn't play anybody I love when they say that because you know <laughs> they they go seasons without playing people and in our league where you know when they say we're not playing anybody that's that's you know that's a big statement for our league because. You know, I'll put our, I'll put, you know, all of our teams in our league against many, many public schools and we'll see how we'll do, you know? So that's the way, that's what it is. And it's, and it's, again, it's very, very difficult. It's not easy to do, but it's the right thing to do. That's the way we feel about it. And that's the way I feel about it. It's the, the right thing. Like I said to you before, you know, CJ O'Neill over at Cardinal Hayes, he's a coach in the league. I don't know if there's anybody who's ever done this in the league, but he won a single A championship, a double A championship and a triple A championship. So he's been at all three levels because that's how his program built, you know, and, and, and that's the way, that's the way we try to have everybody do it. Like we don't, you know, we don't necessarily want teams to stay at the A level or the double A level, but the truth of the matter is there are some schools that that's, that's what they are, you know, and they're not going to, it's not going to be easy for them to ever get to that level. You know, they have small populations in their school. They don't, you know, it, it's not a, you know, not everybody's built equal. So there are some schools that can kind of bounce up and down. And then you have some schools that are traditional double A programs or traditional A programs. And that's where they're going to stay because 
that's what they are, you know, and, and, and it, and it, you know, it, it goes back to so many things, Pete, it goes back to tradition. It goes back to coaching. It goes back to support by the administration finances, who has, you know, who has enough, who can, who can, you know, give the kids the, all the resources they need. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's so many variables. It's unbelievable. But I think what we do for our kids in all of our schools is, is better than what anybody's doing in New York City and better than anybody what's, what anybody's doing on Long Island. And that's the truth. And, and that's the way I feel about it. I, obviously, I'm biased. Um, but, <laughs> but no, really, I mean, but, course, but I'll, put a, I'll put the way we do things, okay, against what anybody does. And, you know, we can't set up our league based on, you know, there's a lot of schools, a lot of leagues, you know, they'll set up their leagues based 100% on population of schools. And, you know, we can't do it that way. And that's not really, it's not realistic. You know, we're playing tomorrow night in the, in the basketball championship, Holy Trinity high school against, against Chaminade. That's a little plug for the game for tomorrow night, but we're playing, you know, Chaminade's got 1700 boys and, and we have, you know, 800 kids in our school. So 400 boys and we're playing them in the basketball championship. So, So that's what athletics is all about. You know, um, you can have, even though your population isn't, the same as the next guy you could be as competitive athletically you know and that's something that we have to navigate and and i think we do the best job we possibly can and yes do sometimes a team ends up in the wrong spot yeah it happens sometimes but then we try to you know we try to fix it right away you know the following year we try to fix it but it is a little irritating sometimes when when people are saying oh you only want a double a championship or you only want a single a championship or a double a one and double a two or whatever we you know and, and yeah, but it, it's still a championship and it's still, it's still, it, it matters, you know? Yes. Listen, like you said before, when we first started, the AAA is where you want to be. If you can build your program to be a AAA program, that's, listen, that's the top, the top eight, that's the top league in the state. Okay. So if you get into that AAA and you can compete at that level, you, you got a heck of a football program. Yeah. And, and just to, to follow up on some of those things, what you're trying to avoid is a team that can play at the AAA level who just says, no, no, just leave us down in the double A so we can keep putting banners on the wall. That's not what you want. You nope. want people who can play at the high level, play at the high level. And, and sometimes it is out of your control when something goes array, awry with a program. Say they have 10 starters graduate. They have Absolutely. a few kids transfer. You yep. know, a coach, a coach leaves and they were a finalist last year, right? Like you, yep. you can't account for that stuff. So the placement in those specific situations get a little funky. Uh, but like you said, you work it out and a yeah, lot of you got young kids work you got, it out itself. Yeah. You got young kids, you know, young kids coming to your program and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're contributing like you never thought they were going to contribute, you know? Right. And then and you look at that and then, and we had like this, the COVID situation the last, the last two years, you know, that was very difficult too, because, you know, certain, certain programs got hit way harder than other programs did, you know, and not, not, and I don't even mean specifically from COVID, I'm saying about the whole process of COVID, you know, and certain schools were able, you know, certain schools were able to do a better job just because of where they were. Like Long Island seriously was way better than New York City was in terms of how we operated our schools. And and that's not a knock on, believe me, the, the cat schools in New York did a tremendous job. But I think, you know, without getting into politics, but, you know, New York, the New York City, you know, politics were a little bit different. And the way they were letting, you know, you probably remember we, we played a spring season, you know, and New, we had to split the league because Long Island got the green light to play 
and Westchester got the green light to play, but New York didn't, you know, yes. and, and that was another problem, you know, because we had certain schools played four and five games. Other schools only played two games. We had, we had, you know, a couple schools in our league that didn't play at all because they couldn't, they couldn't put the team together, you know, because, right. because of COVID, you know? So yeah. th- that was another challenging thing. And that leads me to a discussion I kind of want to have on the growth of this league over the past 20 or so years. Right. So we were talking before, we started recording and I reminisced about my years playing uh, and I graduated high school in 2012. So my last football season was 2011, the fall of 2011. Right. And at the senior bowl night when you're meeting college coaches and you're doing whatever, I was literally going around handing out CDs to different coaches, which I don't think the kids are doing nowadays. And then you one up to me and said, CDs, how about driving out on a Saturday uh, to watch the other school play with your own eyes? That's the only way we got film or practice or prep work. You, know, you played a, you played a Saturday uh, morning. You drove out to Iona on Saturday night to see what you were going up against the next week. 100%. So talk about how the league has grown from that span- standpoint, how it's made it more competitive. It's also led to possibly more recruiting opportunities for players to play at the next level and, and really how technology has changed the entire world of high school sports. Well, it's funny. You, you know, you're right because the first thing I learned to do when I was a JV coach, the head coach said, all right, this is, this is how I want you to scout. You know, and you're going to, this is what I need you to do when you go to a game with a, with a, with a notepad, I need you to do these things. And, and because there was no such thing as film, you know? Um, and then we got into, like you said, VHS tapes, you know, before that, where we exchanged every Monday night, you had to go to a meeting every Monday night and, you know, literally walk over to the coach you were going to play the following week and hand them a VHS tape of your previous game. And that was the only way you got it. You, you couldn't get it any other way. You had to go to the Monday night meeting to get it. You know, we would spend, you know, I'll never forget it. We'd come back from the Monday night meeting with the tape and, you know, we'd spend until one o'clock in the morning, you know, getting ready for practice on Tuesday because that was the one tape we had, you know. And, um, but then, you know, then it went to CDs and now it's obviously into huddle and, and things like that. And, and to, to answer what you were saying about, about, uh, you know, what it's done for the league. I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, you, you look at what's going on. You have automated cameras, you have the games are on YouTube. Um, you know, even that's something we're, like we're doing tonight, right? I mean, like, you know, this type of stuff is, is tremendous for our league and, and for our kids. And, and there's no doubt that the whole recruiting process has changed dramatically. I mean, years ago, you know, when I was, when I was in the league coaching and, you know, it was, you had to send, literally send tapes out, you know, send VHS tapes out to coaches all across the country to try to get your kids recruited. You know, now it's a push, you know, it's a push of a button. You know, send me, send me a huddle link, you know, and boom, and the kids can watch, you know, put kids are putting stuff up on Twitter every day. And, and Twitter is like, is like the main recruiting hub right now for, for colleges and kids. And, and, you know, they can't wait to, listen, it's kind of funny because they can't wait to put up when they got offered and they can't yeah. wait to put up when they get invited somewhere. And, and it's a big, it's, it's a little frustrating to be honest with you, because it's, 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 um it's really you see a difference in some of the kids and some of the kids are getting, get really frustrated because they see some other guy that this guy's got an offer and I didn't get one. And this guy's getting invited to a junior day and I didn't get invited. And it's, it's tough. It's difficult for the coaches today to navigate that stuff, you know? And um, we have, for example, and Tony and Garofalo and I were talking about this. We both have two really good juniors. We have, we have, a, a, you know, a guy at our school and he has a guy at his school. And and they're struggling to get offers to in the junior class right now because because of number one COVID 
with, with, you know, guys getting a fifth and sixth year in college. And then you got the whole transfer portal at the NCAA level. And, and the junior class is really, is really struggling right now to, to, you know, to get recruited. It's, it's a different, it's, it's difficult. And, uh, you know, that there are sophomores that are getting, that are getting more offers than juniors are, you know? Um, but to get back to what you were saying, yeah, I mean, the way the league's evolved in that way, I mean, it was, I remember, you know, it was such a big deal when one or two kids from our league got a scholarship to go somewhere, you know? And now, it, you know, there's one and two on, on almost every, every team in the, in the league that's getting something. And that's definitely from the exposure that's going on, no question about it. Right. It's easy for a coach down south, a coach in even like on the East Coast, but not quite the Northeast, you know, the Virginias of the world, the North Carolinas of the world. I'm not talking about the Alabamas, right? I'm talking about those D1 programs that are big D1 programs, but they're not SEC. They're, they're some of the other conferences. They had a recruit in their, in their surrounding states in, yep. uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago to some extent. Like they had to hit those markets, and that was basically the extent of it. Now, Oh, we're seeing this kid. Let's go to the Northeast. We're going to hit that school, this school, that school, this school in one flip. We're going to meet all these kids. We're going to see them in person. We're going to watch all their tape. We're going to watch every single snap they take. Like they have that at their fingertips and it's changed everything across the entire country. And you can see a guy now from Long Island or Staten Island go to a school out in Ohio or Iowa or something like that. There's the pot. There's a, the actual connection exists. And well, you know what it was? The negative was for coaches. I remember being a young coach, even, you know, um, when I was going coming up in the ranks and, and, you know, some of the young college guys that I became really good friends with, you know, they would go crazy when they had to come on to Long Island or go to New York city to recruit because, you know, for them to, for them to get to like five schools in a day was almost impossible. It took them, it took, you know, with traffic and, you know, and you got some guy that's coming in, you know, a guy, a guy went to school in Ohio or something and he comes (laughs) into New York. He can't even drive in New York. You know what I mean? He didn't know how to drive. So, so what happens is that that's changed too, because, you know, like you said, they don't need to literally go and see the kid anymore. You know, I, I just got a, you know, I got a, a thing the other day from one of the coaches in our league who said, Hey, they, the first time this has ever happened. He goes, one of our sophomores got offered on the phone. Okay. Without the guy even coming to meet him yet. You know, he hasn't meet, he hasn't even met the kid. He spoke to him on the phone and offered him over the phone without even coming to see him, you wow. know? And, and, you know, that kind of stuff, because why? Cause they, you know, they can, they could touch huddle and they could see, for example, we have kids right now that are, that are track kids too. And, and, you know, all of a sudden they're putting up times that, you know, these, these college guys can look at, you know, mile split, you know, that stuff like that. And, and they're getting at their fingertips. They get, Hey, this kid ran a, a six, five and a 55 meter dash. Like he's a legitimate, that's legitimate, legitimate speed. You know, there's no more like, cause I, I remember we used to fill out questionnaires and you have to put the guys 40 time on it. So, you know, we're writing in there, hey, I think he runs a 4.7 or a four yeah. six. And, you know, you really don't know. You, you know, but now that right. stuff is at their fingertips, you know? It's amazing. And, yeah, and it really is It is special. I do want to touch on the other side of it, right, the maybe not-so-glamorous side, the frustrating side. And as an athletic director, as a parent yourself, and as a former coach, how it could be frustrating for kids and how it could be dangerous for some kids, right, when it comes to ego and how they can possibly get their heads blown up a little bit too big, right? Where, you know, maybe not everybody listening knows how the world of college scholarships work. Not all scholarship offers are created equally, right? And even if you got offered a roster spot, it does. It, you're not guaranteed a thing until you are physically on that team. And even once you're on the team, it can be stripped away. So we know the, the sensitivity that goes on with trying to become a college athlete. Maybe everyone doesn't know. 
when it comes to athletes now seeing each other on social media and saying, oh, I played against that kid. I beat him. Why am I not getting the offer? Blah, blah, blah. What, what has that led to from your perspective in regards to how a team stays together? Like, Do you think that's been negatively affecting how individual teams can even uh, continue to grow together when there's all these outside sources kind of trying to pluck away individual kids' attention spans and ideas and make the offers and, and try to sell them something bigger than where they are in that moment and almost take for granted the experience that is high school football? Without a doubt. And I think it's that's a major challenge right now um, for all of our coaches. And, and I think, you know, not only in our league, but all over, all over the place, you know, it's a, it's a major challenge and, you know, kids, it's, it's human nature for a kid to be, to get his, like you said, to get his head blown up. It's, it's, it's human nature. You know, I mean, you get, you get a 15 year old kid who's being, you know, offered these, you know, basically offered by these schools. And then within five minutes, it's up on, it's up on Twitter and his video clips and, and these edits that these, you know, every, we have these, you know, we have a great guy at our place that does tremendous edits of to put up on Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I've seen it work negatively to some of our kids that who don't get the offer, you know, this is a guy in a program gets it. Oh, well, wait a minute. I'm, I'm better than him or, you know, I'm as good as him. And, and it, yeah, it's very, very difficult. And, and it's something that, you know, I've spoken to a lot of our coaches in our league and, and, especially some of the older guys. And they're like, this is, this is not what I signed up for 20 years ago. You know, it's so different, you know? And, um, you know, we didn't even know. I, I remember back in the day, like you, you barely knew probably even maybe more when you were, when you were playing, you know, you knew your opponents probably more than, than back in the day in the early nineties. And you didn't know, you didn't, the only time you heard about these guys is when you went to the game and you saw them on the field. Now, they they know each other. These guys know each other from seven on sevens and camps and and all kinds of stuff. And and it's it's so different. It's so different than what it was. And and it's a challenge for listen for every coach in every sport, um, but in football in particular, it's it's very difficult. And I I don't really know um, the answer. And some you know some it's a very difficult to answer. There's no there's no real answer to it. You know. Um, you just yeah. got to hope you got to hope you develop your program and you develop your kids the best you can. And you try to explain it to parents and try to explain it to kids. And, and, you know, most of them get it, you know, most of them get it. And, but you're going to have those problems. There's no doubt about it. And, and you got to try to navigate through those problems and to keep your team together, you know? Yeah. It's the one thing that I've seen in my, in my days playing and playing some college baseball, even at the D three level, like managing expectations, right? Who, who is uh, 12 years old and him and their parents think that they're going to the pros and, you know, whether it's realistic or not, most of the time it's probably not just based off pure odds, right? Pure statistical odds would tell that most kids aren't going to make it to the pros. And then there's expectations put on and pressure put on. That's not always fair. And it's a tough thing to, to navigate. I'm not saying it's brand new because that's not fair also, right? This has been going on for a while, um, but it, it, it almost, it almost hurts more when you feel like a, a student athlete, in high school is getting led down a wrong path. And that could be not even having to do with the train um, with the parents or the coaches, right? It could be an outside trainer. It could be social media itself. And they're, they're getting expectations that aren't always realistic. How about an eighth grader? How about an eighth grader announcing his his commitment to a high school? I I, I was just going to bring that up. I'm serious. (laughs) For full disclosure, I work at, at Monsignor Farrell high school. If people don't know that, but 
I saw people posting, I'm excited to take my talents to <laughs> Oakwood Farrell <laughs> High School. Yeah. And I yeah. love the energy and I love yeah. the confidence. But yep. it was like kind of eye-opening to me to see that, man. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly. So, on one hand, I'll, let me not spin it so negative because I think there are negatives and they're kind of obvious. Here's the positive. Some of these young kids are already aware of the, how careful they have to be on social media and how important it is to make sure you're not portraying a bad image and not portraying things that you shouldn't be doing. I, we had a guy – for our business lecture series at Farrell come in today, class of 90, very successful businessman, talked about an example of a D1 lacrosse player, stud athlete who had an interview at his company. It was a big interview, and he, he failed the background test because of what he was posting on social media, and that was in the last like five years, right? So it's serious. And now these 7th, 8th graders, they're coming in with the knowledge and expectation of, hey, if I don't take care of this business, all these dreams I have don't matter. So that's at least the spin positive for it. No, there is. Listen, I agree. There, there's definitely some positive. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like talking about the, all the opportunities. You know, there was no such thing as when I, you know, when back in when I first started, you know, coaching, there was no such thing as going to seven on seven tournaments and and you know playing seven on seven and and football was kind of lagging behind everything. To be honest, it was it was lagging behind the AU basketball and travel baseball and all that stuff. And and exactly. So no, there is some positive. There's no question. This positive. Hey, listen, and, and the fact that there's some of these kids that, you know, I just put an edit up for our championship game tomorrow night, and you know, there's guys on that that that, that, that might be the only time this is going to be the biggest game they ever play is right. is tomorrow night, and and it's kind of cool, and it's on, you know, it's on YouTube, uh, Varsity Media is covering the game, and there's announcers, and you know, they're going to have a post game interview with the with the championship guy, and you know, there's definitely positive. There's no doubt. There's right. positives to it. Um, but it's just about managing it, you know. It's about managing it. It's, I've, you know, it's, it's, you brought up Rocco before, and it's funny. Like he's brand new coach in the league, and and I'm glad I had an opportunity to talk to him. And and he's a smart kid. He's a smart guy. And and um, but he's, you know, we talked about that about managing, you know, about managing the 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 egos and managing, you know, you obviously you're trying to sell your program the best you can. But at some point, you got to be careful. You know, you got to be careful right. where that goes. You know, and and you how can't promise every kid a starting spot. You know, like no, you just exactly, exactly. And back, back to like you know my my college experience. I was told, uh, oh, you're going to be marked as a baseball recruit on your application or whatever it may be. I was like, oh, that's great. I'm I'm probably just going to be on the team because I I was told I was a baseball recruit. That's not how <laughs> it worked, man. That's not how it worked. I showed up to the fall ball and there was over 55 kids trying out for 30 <laughs> roster spots. A D3 yep. program, and guess what? Almost every kid there at a D3 program was a top three kid on their high school team, right? Oh, yeah. It's no joke. And at all these levels, and I think that's the one thing that I do want when I interact with some of these kids. I'm always like, hey, don't shame Division three, Division two, uh, one double A. It, it's serious out there. There are no dudes idea. No just idea. like you everywhere else. So I, no I'm, I'm happy we're on the same page with that. And a lot of the programs here seem to be doing the right thing. As many players in this league are going on to to continue to play college football, which is great. So let's segue back into yep. uh, the NYCHSFL real quick. And my apologies earlier. I guess I didn't uh, elaborate that Long Island is part of the New York City High School football, Catholic Football League, right? So that that's kind of implied by this point already. Um, but what is the, what is next, right? Like, what is the mission statement in 2022 going into 2023 for this league? And what do you hope to see? from a growth standpoint for this league moving forward. 
Well, the one thing we've done in the last in the last say five or six years, we've actually made some major major changes, and and one of the you know so to just like you said, just to explain what it is, the the NYCHSFL covers three different dioceses. It covers the Archdiocese of New York, Archdiocese uh, the Brooklyn Queens Diocese, and Rockville Center Diocese. So those three dioceses, there's 23 schools that you know I always say that we're like a giant foot. You know, we go from from all the way up to Somers, New York, and Kennedy Catholic, and and all the way out east to St. John the Baptist and, and West Islip, Long Island. So we, we we cover a big, big area, big geographic area. And then, so within, in my term, you know, um, there's another, there's another diocese in Buffalo called Monsignor Martin that has a, that, you know, Catholic League up in Buffalo. That's part of our state association. So about five years ago, six years ago now, I think it is, I think we're into six, six championships. We, we instituted a, a state championship. So the AAA champ from our league plays um, the Buffalo champ, you know, for a state, for a, a legitimate Catholic state championship. And that's that's been a great expansion for our league, you know. And we also have a lot of connection there where, you know, a lot of our schools will play teams from their league, you know, in non-league games in the beginning of the season and, and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of give and take there. And then the second thing that we just I'm really, really excited about um, this year, coming up in uh, 2022 for the first time, <clears throat> we co- we uh, negotiated a big agreement with uh, New Jersey and the Super Football Conference in New Jersey. And, um, you know, nine of our schools are going to be playing nine of their schools on the mm-hmm. second week. You know, we kind of blocked out the second week of the season. And um, <clears throat> we uh, there was a group of a committee of guys, you know, two two people from my league and two people from their league and, we had a, you know, a couple of event managers and uh, Mike Quick, you know, Mike Quick from uh, the old MSG Varsity days. He um, he got involved a little bit also and um, to negotiate this whole agreement. And so we have this, what's called the battle, they're calling it the Battle of the Bridge. And uh, it's going to be nine games on the weekend of September 16th and 17th. And uh, nine of our schools against them, nine of their schools. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to be great for, for football in the tri-state area, you know? And um, so that's definitely something that, you know, we're going to work, you know, we have a two-year agreement with them. So this year, all of our teams are going to New Jersey next year. They're all coming. They're all going to come to New York. So we have to work on a site for New York and, you know, cause what, you know, what we're trying to do with New Jersey and what they're trying to do over there is, you know, get, maybe get Rutgers involved, you know, so get some of the games to be played at Rutgers and some of the other small schools in Jersey. Um, some of the small colleges in New Jersey to host some of the games. So it's this is what we're trying to do uh, for our kids, you know, again, um, to, to, to do the best we can in the Catholic League for our kids and for our programs. And, you know, there's, there's not we're, – we're the only – literally only the only league around right now that is, that is basically navigating out of, our, out of our geographical area to go play other games. You know, and, um, you know, we had Stepanak went and played a team in Texas last year. And, and um, Iona Prep is going to go to Ohio this year and play. Um, so it is, you know, uh, we have teams that have gone to Maryland to play games. So that's, that's what I think the next thing is going to be. We'll see, we'll see how this works out with New Jersey. And, um, you know, for years, you know, there were old school guys in New Jersey and old school guys in New York that, you know, it was a taboo subject. Like, don't 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 cross over the bridge. Those guys are bad guys, and the New York guys are bad guys. And Tony Garofalo and myself, who's he was on, he's on my committee, and we went over there, and and you know, we 
when we were getting in the car to go home, we're like, you know, these guys are just like us. Like, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're good guys, you know, and they, and they appreciated the fact that we went there and, and, you know, within 10 minutes of a conversation, you're talking about all the same problems and all the same issues, you know, and, you know, they're all good. They were good guys. They're, they're regular guys like us, regular, and they're all in the same business as we're in, you know? So I think that's where, you know, we'll see, we'll see where, what else plays out here, but that's, that's the next step here is to see what, we can do geographically over in a, in a, you know, in a tri-state type of situation, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and going to college in New Jersey, I learned about the group system, which sounds similar to what you were describing about the Long Island system based off population. But then you have the parochials, which are the private schools that kind of operate a little bit more similarly to how the, the Catholic league in New York city operates. Is that fair to say? Yep. Yep. The, par- no the parochials are a little bit more like that. So that's really cool though. Cause then you get to see, the, some of the schools that you hear about too, right? Cause some of these schools have serious recruits consistently, right? Without competition. Without it's a measuring stick. It's yep. exciting. And yep. you know, I'll, I'll say when our league competes with New Jersey, not if they compete, but when they compete, then it's really, you know, it's confidence boosting for those programs. You realize that maybe they're not so far apart talent wise, and they're a lot more similar and it's exciting. That's how you grow. So I, I'm, I'm pumped for it. I can't wait for the fall to come around. I'm not trying to rush too fa- too fast, right? No, no, no. We got the summer. Our time's like a, it's a good time, and baseball yeah. season's upon us. Uh, maybe I can't say that for the MLB. I don't know. <laughs> different subject, different podcast yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Chris, this has been this has been fantastic. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add in, as far as like goals for the league or changes or any, any last words, basically about the the Catholic High Football League in New York City. No, I mean, I, I first of all I want to thank you um, for for even doing this, and and. Um, you know, I know we've had a conversation about, you know, doing some stuff going forward and having you uh, get involved in our league. And and uh, we're really I'm really looking forward to that. I think that, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, I appreciate what you do. And and I, I think, you know, like going to all the stuff we were talking about, this is the next step for our league, too. You know, and, um, you know, I, I know I know we were talking about doing some kind of you know coaches roundtable where you, you know, you'll get the guys involved and. And, um, you know, maybe next year, you know, during our season, doing some doing some weekly stuff with our league. And um, I think it would be a great, great thing for our kids and for our schools and our programs. And and, uh, you know, I, I wish you all the best. And I think uh, and I appreciate you even uh, considering having me on. You know, it's 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 kind of humbling, to be honest with you. So. Uh, this, this is great fun. I, I enjoy the conversation. And I, I think, honestly, people who are close to the league could enjoy this conversation. I think this is the type of thing that anybody who played high school sports anybody curious about how sports are working nowadays at the high school level, it's just interesting. And the way the world has changed over the past five years, because, you know, five years ago, it's one of those things that feels like yesterday, but also it feels like forever ago. It's like a mixture, you know, you you forget the times that are pre social media, but you kind of, you know, feel like it flew, it flew to this point. So to, to reminisce on that growth, that, and how it impacted schools and leagues, it, it was cool for me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I look forward to continuing to cover this league and, and enjoy football that's beyond just, you know, my backyard of working at Farrell and see all this league, uh, what this league has to offer. So thank you as well. I appreciate it. Uh, for Subway Sports Talk, Chris Harder, president of the New York City Catholic High School Football League, the NYCHSFL. More stuff to come on this topic. Hopefully you enjoyed. For now, stay tuned for more Subway Sports Talk to come in the next week or two. We got plenty of NBA to talk. Hopefully we have some MLB to talk about other than, the damn lockout stuff and NFL free agency and draft around the corner. Chris, great time to be a sports fan. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon.